You're listening to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe, a podcast dedicated to women at all stages of our health and wellness journey. I'm Christy from Christy Lee Nutrition. And I'm Cammie from This Mum's Kitchen. And together, we're here to inspire you with the knowledge and confidence to love into your mind, body, spirit, and lifestyle. Now set aside some time for you and join us on this cup-filling journey. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes released every Wednesday. So let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe. This is episode nine of our podcast and it's all about um, not going hungry when weight loss is your aim. So I'm Cammie and of course Christy's here with me and we're going to be talking today about how important it is to stay nourished when changing up how you eat and also in line with any other practices you might be including in your diet um, such as increased activity and any other practices and um, when, when you are trying to lose weight and maintain that weight loss more than anything. So today we're going to talk about why it's important not to go hungry when you're aiming to lose weight and when you're trying to maintain weight loss. We're also going to talk about the detrimental effects of eating too little on your goals. And we're going to finish up on a different way to approach your weight loss goals. So let's kick off. Let's start with, I want to ask Cammie, why do you feel it's important not to go hungry? Yeah, I think it's really important because it's something that we all naturally sort of tend towards when we're trying to lose weight. It's one of the first things we do when we're feeling that really high motivation in the first instance to sort of change up our diet, change up the way we we do things, is one of the first things we'll do is significantly and like drastically reduce our portion size. Mm. Often that also stretches into like how often we eat. Um And what can really often happen to all of us is that we end up not eating enough or not eating a balanced enough diet. So it doesn't keep us satisfied. And while we may be able to maintain a significantly reduced calorie intake for a while, while motivation is high. So I'm sure that we can all resonate with, you know, trying a fad diet of some kind and really seeing success and feeling that success, you know, for for a week, for a couple of weeks even, maybe you can even maintain it for a month. Mm. Um, you know, everyone's motivation levels are different. But the thing is, is that when it's actually leading us to be hungry, um, it's inevitable that we are going to not want to do that for the sustained long term. And so, we kick, we kick into those feelings of, oh, you know, I had a slip or, you know, all of that negative language around, like, I can't do this. I'm yep. never going to be able to lose weight. I don't have the willpower. I've tried this before and I just can't diet. You know, all of those sort of, um, yeah, negative stories that come into our head. And it's, again, it's because we've set ourselves this unachieve, unachievable yeah. target. We've embarked on something that's just not sustainable from mm. the get-go. And something that I talk to a lot of my clients is, is the difference between basal energy needs or your basal metabolic mm-hmm, requirement mm-hmm. and then your energy expenditure, your energy requirements. And when you go on a really sort of fad or crash diet, something where you're restricting your calorie intake significantly, you're not even feeding your body at rest, you Mm -hmm. know, like just to beat your heart, pump your lungs, 
you know, talk to somebody that requires energy. And when, so basal metabolic requirement, Cam, you would know a lot about this. Mm -hmm. It's when, for our listeners, when you're asleep or when you're just laying still, not, you know, perhaps um, not doing anything at all, that is your basal metabolic requirement. And that is about 80% of the energy that we need every single day just to function. That's right. Those basic organ functions that we we do every day without thinking, let alone get up, go to walk work um walk the dog you know take the kids to school yeah exercise on top is energy on top of your basal metabolic requirements so Mm -hmm. eating below your basal metabolic requirement means that you're not giving yourself enough energy just at rest yeah and it's I think that's a really important thing um, for people to definitely understand because that's one of the base reasons why you know our body is sort of hardwired to resist um, these sorts of changes and really any sorts of changes um, because they're just not naturally beneficial for us. So like highly limiting your calorie intake um, is just not something that is designed to be sustained. So if you've done a highly limited calorie diet and you've kept to it for a couple of weeks or three weeks, really consider that a success because any longer, you know, it's just not... um, you know, not what your body was designed to do. And it's, I'd go so far as saying it's really not beneficial. Mm. Um, well, it's almost like going into survival mode, yeah. there, isn't it? Because we need food to fuel our body. And if we don't have fuel, then we can't survive. Yeah. Um, and obviously our bodies are a little more sophisticated than the car example that gets yeah, often yeah, used. Yeah. You know, the petrol for the car is like the food for our body. Um, but in this case, our body's actually quite good at adapting but over time, this is just not going to work. It can adapt for a short period of time and then all of a sudden the hunger pains are going to get too big. Yeah, yeah. And it's also just a really aggressive, you know, quite violent way of of, of trying to lose weight um, or trying to change up the way you eat. And really, you know, our bodies are designed to really, we want to do things gently. We want to do things gradually. We resist change um, very naturally. It's something that we are hardwired to do um, because change in itself is intrinsically new and different. And that new and different um, inwardly, you know, in, in our mental workings and our subconscious, that sort of translates into dangerous because it's unpredictable. We don't do this all the time. It's different to the routine. Mm. And we sort of intrinsically designed to rise up against that change and try and go back to the normal. So which is what also makes, you know, habit shifting um, really, really challenging. Um, and you could have a listen to our episode on habits um, to, to, to sort of go deeper into that. But it's really so beneficial when you're thinking about change, any sort of change, to do it with tiny steps, which don't feel threatening and which, you know, your body sort of even doesn't really notice Mm. um I love to use an analogy of of sneaking in the back door as opposed to barging through the front one with guns blazing um because that way you know we're just making these little mindful kind steps and changes and we don't cause our body to go into panic or to go into survival mode or to have any of those Mm. you know primitive survival um responses Mm. set in that sounds a lot like hangry, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, when you're hungry, 
but it, you, you're so overwhelmed by the feeling of hunger that you can't think about anything else. You become very quick to react. You're angry, um, easily stressed, mm -hmm, easily mm -hmm. frustrated by small things in your day. Um, and that's something that a lot of people would report if they are doing particularly like intermittent fasting style diets. They find that through the morning, they're irritable. Um, they get headaches, things like that. And then once they've had something to eat, they can kind of calmly go about the rest of their day. I find that really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And mm. it's, you know, I think as a, as a parent, you can probably also really see that in your kids. <laughs> um, it's something that's that's extremely noticeable. You know, I find with my kids, um, Sabrina, my daughter, she often, she's actually changed now, but for a long while, she wouldn't eat breakfast for quite mm. some time after she woke up. You know, she'd have it in front of her, but she just wouldn't be interested in it, you know, for a good couple of hours. But then then what would happen, it would be like in that last half hour, 40 minutes before she finally agreed to eat the breakfast, she was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, and you know, there's also those times sort of post-school pickup, you know, they had lunch around 12.30, school pickups around mm. 3. If you're not giving them a snack by, you know, 3.30, oftentimes your know, behaviour, mm. they can have a tantrum, they can be, um, you know, just not being mm -hmm. very nice little people. And I think we can often look to our kids for these examples because... They're so in tune, aren't that's they? That's right, mm. that's right. And they don't have that um, feeling that they need to hide what they feel. Yes. And so their sort of natural bodily and like mental and mind-body responses are very open they're very, very honest. honest exactly yep. and um whereas we as adults you know we feel we have to suppress those feelings um which is probably a good thing so we're not you know yelling and tantruming in the middle <laughs> of the office but um at the same time you know we can still listen to those cues and um and respect them and 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 act on them um to, to help us you know stay within our flow for sure mm, i think my mum could still still to this day she will say don't let christy get too hungry yeah you don't want to deal with that she'll tell my partner all the time like just keep her full <laughs> I'm not a very nice person when I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, none of us are. None of us are. Yeah, so if we look into like a practical example of, you know, how, what would be the difference between taking, a, you know, tiny little changes um, to your diet at, or doing like a massive overhaul? Um, we take an example of someone maybe who is, you know, looking to lose some weight, looking to, to introduce more healthy whole foods into their diet. And currently would have, you know, a standard lunch or something like a, a chicken salad sandwich with, you know, thick cut um, white bread and maybe a bag of chips and sometimes a Coke. And so the I guess the, the inclination when that person is feeling really motivated would be to say something like, I'm going to not have any of that anymore. And I'm just going to have a mixed salad for lunch. Mm. And that's what I'm going to eat. And that may sound like a great thing, but really, you know, as a mixed salad with only, you know, like lettuce and cucumber and tomato, maybe some avocado in it is not going to satisfy most people for very long. Mm. And more than anything, you know, you're really going to be missing that fullness and that sort of satisfaction that you've been used to having something mm -hmm. which is as comforting as a thick sliced chicken salad sandwich. Um, so what we do in terms of looking at it, you know, with tiny steps would be say something like, Let's keep the chicken in the salad. Let's maybe bulk out the salad a bit with some extra veggies and maybe put in some slow release carbohydrate in there in place of the white bread, which might be, you know, some roasted sweet potato or 
some pre-cooked grains or whatever the person feels that they would enjoy with that meal and just basically make those little shifts so they're not gone from a really satisfying albeit quite um you know high gi and processed chicken salad sandwich with chips but they're still having a beautifully satisfying now whole food lunch and they've only had to change up a couple of the things because mm, it's really going from extreme to extreme in that mm. example it's not it's not going to work because you're going from probably overfueling yourself to underfueling yourself and that dramatic change is just going to leave you unsatisfied unhappy and there's also not going to be a positive experience associated with that change and you're going to have you're going to you know I guess a lot of people you would know the saying, you don't make friends with salad. Yeah. And you absolutely can, but you have to know how to make the salad properly. Yeah. You've got to have the low GI whole grains in there or the sweet potato or legumes. Make sure there's protein. Make sure there's the fats in there. That's going to make it feel really satisfying. And, and I think we're going to talk a bit more about it later, but it makes it a more of a low GI meal. Something's going to give you long lasting energy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And something that is so delicious, you yeah. know. And I think that once you have those little tools in your toolkit about how to make something, you know, super tasty, super delicious for lunch, you do then start to look back on, you know, your choices you made beforehand and think, oh, this is way tastier. Mm. So there's there's definite benefits um, in making those little changes. So let's look into um, appetite a bit more because I think that this is one of the things I find with my clients. They sort of um, often disregard, you know, and they put all mm. they put what they eat all about willpower mm. um, when it's not. Um, and appetite is a huge thing, and it's a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there to make sure that we we keep ourselves fueled, that we have enough for that basal metabolic rate that um, Christy was talking about before. And also, I think that we have you know some satisfaction with it as well. So. Our appetite is um, regulated by our stomach and our brain in many different ways. And one of the ways, which is, I think, really simple to understand, is through neural messages which are transmitted from our stomach um, as it stretches to fullness. Mm-hmm. Um, so one example of this is the magical vagus nerve, which I love and um, I talk about often for um, because it also helps to manage our fight or flight response. Um, but in this example, what the vagal, what the vagus nerve is doing is sending messages to the brain about how full our stomach is and helping to cue whether we slow down or stop eating. So, of course, for us to be aware of those messages, we need to be being mindful while we eat. But in this, just talking about this biochemical sort of process for the moment when our stomach is full our vagus nerve is starting to tell our brain that it's time to stop eating and when our stomach is empty on the other hand the nerves in the stomach are sending messages to the brain to cue us to eat Um, and this in turn you know um, switches on hormones such as such as ghrelin which is often referred to as the hunger hormone Mm. because it, it stimulates us to feel that that feeling of hunger it's so easy to ignore that though isn't it because all of these messages are happening, but if we're busy, if we're following something very prescriptive that we feel like is what we're supposed to follow, um, there's so many other reasons, you know, who we're with, um, what smells are in your environment. There's so many other factors that come into influencing how hungry or full you feel. And this, actually, this story just reminds me of a client I saw just yesterday. And um, 
she had um, previously been a crossfitter, mm. so she was very, very fit in the past, but she's had some changes in her life that have meant that she cannot do her crossfit anymore. And she's pulled up an old meal plan that she used to follow um, that a nutritionist provided during her training. And when we started going through it together, the portions and the amount of food was huge compared to what energy output she was doing. So her exercise wasn't as high as or wasn't meeting the same as what the food was providing. Mm. And I and I did I asked the question like, how do you feel when you finish that meal? Are you full, still hungry? And she's like, I'm absolutely full. Like I, I just can't fit another thing in. It's almost painful how mm. full I feel. And and okay, so we keep going through her diet and and then she's having another snack and then a post workout meal and then dinner is only another hour after the post workout meal and at, by the end of the day, she's actually lost her enjoyment of food. She's just overstuffing herself and purely just because she's following a plan that was set for when she was doing more exercise. Right. And so therefore ignoring these natural, normal body signals saying, stop, stop, stop. This is way too much food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the but the plan being written by someone who was a professional had more um, weight to it, I think. Yeah. So she really follow this meal plan knowing that no if I just push and I just follow this everything will work out but listening to your own body cues is actually so important yeah yeah Mm. and it's also such a difficult thing to do yeah I mean I think that that example is fantastic um but there are also way simpler ones like you know when you're sitting at your desk and you feel your tummy rumbling but you've just got to get it finished you know Mm. you just feel like you want to you want to push forward and I I know I have that Mm. um and I do you know I, I often do just push forward and then I you know slip into that hangry and I start making you know the not good choices um but it's yeah I think it's it takes a lot of work doesn't it to sort of first of all tune in with yourself enough to be mindful of those cues Mm. and to respect those cues but then actually to take action on them. Mm, yes. Um, that yep. takes quite some quite some doing. Yeah. Sometimes you need alarms just to say, right, it's lunchtime, and then you check in with yourself, like, do I need to have something to eat? Yes, okay. You know, rather than letting yourself get into hangry mode because that's when, as Cammy's saying, you go for those really high-energy foods. You're looking for, you know, very quick sugars or carbs to quickly satisfy you. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So when, so when we're sort of looking at someone like, Christie's client who has been eating really large meals in the past um you know for whatever reason um the the what we believe is is the best way to go about it is still to progressively sort of start to reduce in a really non um offensive way you know really non-violent way the amounts that you're eating and how often you're eating um because studies have actually shown that you can lessen your appetite by eating less food over time. But to sort of avoid that that reaction against change, you know, that sort of refusal of change and all of your body's impulses sort of fighting against change, the best way to do that is to do it progressively, do it kindly and do it so that you're still feeling satisfied and bringing that mindfulness back into it. So, we both work, Christy and I, with mindful eating journals a lot um, with our clients. And I also keep one often myself um, just to help me sort of continue on my journal, on my own journey of um, mindful eating. And we'll definitely share one of those in the show notes. Um, so you can start to really 
become sort of acquainted and familiar with your cues for appetite when you're starting to feel hungry and then like checking in with other areas of yourself to sort of see where that cue is coming from because it's not always about appetite Mm. and you know we can sometimes feel that hunger cue um, which is affected by things like emotions thoughts smells associations around food and then of course um also because of of blood sugar levels which we're going to get into um just in a moment um so yeah but just keeping that underlying Mm. sort of premise of let's not limit limit too much what we eat um let's be mindful about what we're doing and be kind to ourselves and that way we're stacking the cards in our favor as opposed Mm. to against us it's more about um, a self-exploration, isn't mm. it? Rather than forcing yourself to do something different, more just take that step back. What tools do you need to become more self-aware and listen to your cues? And we've actually made um, our very own Nourish, Nurture, Breathe Mindful Eating Journal. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe we'll we'll put that one into this episode as well because yeah. that came from one of our other episodes. I think it was the sugar yeah. one. Was it the sugar one? I think it was, yeah, sugar. Yeah, which was um, episode four. four. Yep, yeah. Yeah. So if you are looking for somewhere to start, um, go into our show notes and find our mindful eating journal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So should we talk now about blood sugar and Mm. and GI, Christy? Yeah, and we've talked about this briefly in another episode as well, and it's just worth bringing up time and time again because – we do, we see that GI symbol on food products all the time, but we don't really understand what it means. Um, and the real, the definition of glycemic index is how quickly a, a carbohydrate food is digested and absorbed into the bloodstream. So if it's very quickly digested and absorbed, it will elevate your blood sugar level very quickly. And if it's digested slowly and enters your bloodstream slowly, it's a low GI food. Mm-hmm. And we talk, like I, I've just talked about carbohydrates there quite specifically because our blood sugar is, it comes from carbohydrate. Carbohydrate is a long chain of many, many small sugar units. So when it gets broken down, it, com- it is broken down into these sugar units that it will absorb into our bloodstream. Um, and But GI is influenced by many, many things. It's really actually more about the entire meal that you're having because mm-hmm. we're not often just eating one food, are we? We're, we're having multiple foods. Like we'll go back to that example of the sandwich. Mm-hmm. We had the white bread, there was the potato chips, and we had the Coke. And that combination together is well, I, we can be called it a high GI option because it is, because yeah. there's little fiber in that meal. There's very little protein. There was a little bit of chicken, I think you mentioned. Um, and there's really no fat. Oh, sorry, there's fat in the chips. So that'll be influencing it a little bit. Um, but with upping the fiber, changing to a healthier fat, putting a good source of protein in there, we're going to change the GI of that food. And mm-hmm. that's because fiber, fat, and protein slow the digestion of meals. So they make you feel fuller for longer. That's and that's right. the most important part. Yeah, that's like the layman's sort of short form of why GI is important, mm. is that if we're enjoying like a low GI meal, we're going to be fuller for longer. And, and who wouldn't want that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we're not going to feel that, you know, such an um, 
exaggerated slump mm. um, afterwards, which can which can lead to you know those fe- those hangry feelings or or you know cravings and and stuff like that. And I know from um, personal experience that I don't think it even necessarily comes from you know low GI or high GI with me. It, I think my blood sugar drops often because I wait too long before eating. So that's the other factor to consider that, you know, regardless of whether you've had your beautiful low GI lunch, um, if you've waited too long Mm. before you eat again, and that will really be different for all of us it'll be different for the day and for the month and for the week and for the season. You know, we really, um, that's another beautiful self-awareness piece and self-acceptance piece about understanding that what has um my tummy's just rambled what um what I heard it (laughs) (laughs) what um what satisfied you you know last week might not satisfy you today Mm. and that's got to do with all sorts of different factors so it's it's really about being mindful of that but yeah like if you wait too long between your meals um, and just are ignoring those hunger cues and then your blood sugar can drop and that can lead to Mm. those those strong feelings of hunger as well because that's your body basically saying give me more energy yes yep and because we want more energy we want it quickly a lot of the time you know, we, we might be going for, for, for sort of higher GI um, mm. or, you know, other way of saying it would be like inverted commas, less healthy yeah. options, you know, quicker release sugars and, and things like that. I often say to clients, when you get too hungry and you get home from work and you open up the fridge door and you, you see all the options, one of the options is that there's some chocolate or some biscuits or something in there. And then there's also some chopped up veggies that you prepared in the morning, hoping you would have this for an afternoon snack. (laughs) Which one do you think you're going to choose when you're in hangry mode? Yeah, yeah. And every time it's going to be, I'm just going to grab the chocolate because veggies are not going to satisfy you at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I have have a terrible habit. Um, I haven't told you about this, Cammie, but on Wednesdays I consult back to back and I don't get time to eat and that's really my fault as um, you know a consultant I get to choose my hours I really should be putting a little break in there and take a leaf out of my own book Um, but I get so hungry and that's the night that we go to my partner's house for dinner and I get there and I scoff the food I eat way faster than I normally eat and I eat a much larger portion than I would ever normally eat on a, a, a different day mm. um, and it's purely because I haven't eaten properly because I'm just in my back-to-back consult yeah. mode yeah that's mm. really interesting because if you ever have eaten with Christy she is the most sort of <laughs> I'm going to say contemplative eater but I, I find it wonderful because it's beautiful to eat with you because I can eat slowly too <laughs> You yes. just try and just try and match your, you know, wonderfully considered pace, um, which is so good. Yeah, I mean, I I totally resonate with that. But I think that the difference between you and I is you're so sort of good at not snacking, mm. whereas I'm I'm not. You know, if I get to that that hangry state, the first thing I'm going to do is eat, and I'll go to the fridge or pantry. And yeah, fair enough. I might not have, you know biscuits or whatever in there but just the sheer quantity of what mm. I'm eating um you know like I'll, I'll eat whatever it is I'll be snacking on it and then I'll start making the kids food and I'll be putting stuff in my mouth while I'm doing that as well and then you know I'll sit down and, and, and eat a meal and like you because I was too hungry when mm. I started eating all of those cues they're just skewed yes and I will eat way faster yep. and way more um than I know I need and so 
yeah, it's they're really natural responses. And I think, you know, where while no one is perfect, including ourselves, um, there are there are practical things that we can do um, to, to, to sort of help offset or at least help you know, alleviate that that hunger getting too far into hanger, mm. um, which yeah, we all know isn't isn't a great state to be in. And there are also heaps of emotional mm. cues that I think we we also have to talk to as well. And um, and also just a brief mention about food advertising and food depiction, mm. um, which also plays a massive part. You know that there's studies into this that when we see food we start to salivate mm. you know, we start to prepare to eat um and so you know if if you find that you're you're watching master chef or whatever mm. and you suddenly really want something um you're not crazy you know it's- <laughs> <laughs> this is me every weeknight that yeah. master chef is on i'm not actually much of a sweet tooth personally but those desserts they make are insane mm. and i do and i sit there and i've had my dinner i know i'm full but Gee, I'd really like a creme brulee right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and you watch them, they just crack it. They crack the top of that, like, beautiful, like, sugar crust. And you do. And it's it's sound, like, sound. Like, when you hear food, you hear the crunch of Mm. a chip. You go, ooh, I'd like a chip. Or you smell someone walking past in the office, like, with their their curry they've just heated up. Mm. Um, So you've got those senses around you that cue you to want to eat. Or even just someone saying, I'm going to go pop down to the shop for something. Do you want me to grab you? something for lunch as well and you go oh you know you actually had a packed lunch but now you're thinking oh but I could get something from the food court um and then the emotional reasons come in like maybe you're really stressed at work Mm. and and food is a comfort food it, it gets you right in that part of the brain where we have reward and um and happiness and for a very brief moment of a bit of chocolate or something your brain fires you know and you feel really good Mm. but it dies off very quickly because food is not the answer to an emotional need really Mm, mm, mm. and it's and again it's something that is we can all I know totally resonate with um, but when we are looking at weight loss and especially sustained weight loss mm. and, and, you know, taking that kindness approach to it and that self-acceptance and self-awareness approach, which Christy and I are both so passionate about, it is really important to explore any emotional triggers that you may have. And again, just do them really mindfully, really, really kindly, you know, just take the moment to check in with yourself after you've had that stressful interaction with your boss or if you're noticing like a habit that you you know you're going for whatever it is that you'd rather not be eating at a specific time or after seeing a specific person or you know you might find there's there's emotions there's feelings that are coming up um which you're sort of um you know trying to compensate for with food and definitely again just coming back to our grounding premise you know if we're not hungry the likelihood for us to dive deep into that whole box of biscuits even if there is an emotional cue is lighter Mm. the emotion is still so strong and that's why it's really important um you know to have the opportunity to talk through um, any emotional eating associations you might have with your coach or your dietitian or someone you trust. Um, I also find journaling is also a great mm. tool here and it sort of expands on the mindful eating journal, which is 
more about sort of prompting you to look at specific areas and tune in with specific mind body responses but then the journaling can sort of take it forward Mm. and even if you find that you know that you've 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 done it you've gone for the box of chocolates and you've eaten the whole thing and then you 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 sort of switch into that feeling of guilt and blame and all of those negative stories take out your journal and just write it Mm -hmm. just write it down literally purge on the page I I I talk about that I talk about um purging on the page I love yeah I can it's very visual yeah that way you describe it yeah yeah and it it really helps with that awareness that healing that that mindful journey um which is which is a it's a it's a complex and an mm. enlightening journey and it's you know it's not easy sometimes you might find that when you start doing something like that you'll sit there and you start writing here I am writing in this stupid journal don't know what I'm doing yeah. why am I doing this da, da, da. and then you know get a few lines in and it starts going and I'm really pissed off at my boss about that thing and then it just starts coming out like what is it that's bothering you and you just start just venting into this page um, and one of my favorite teachings that I learned not too long ago so I'm always still learning more about this and we all are always learning my favorite favorite psychologist his name is Glenn McIntosh and, and he's um he calls himself the weight loss psych. Mm. So he really specializes in the psychology behind weight loss. Um, and he explained that emo- we, we often see emotional eating as a bad thing. And it's actually just one of many coping mechanisms that we all use. We It's not always negative as well. We often use food to celebrate and mm. that's an emotional mm-hmm. way of eating as well. So we get out the champagne when someone is... Um, celebrating some success and that's not a bad thing and so what he was explaining is that emotional eating is only detrimental when it's your sole coping mechanism yeah because it's it's perfectly fine to use emotional eating as one of many coping mechanisms in your toolkit so that when you're just relying on one thing where we've lost the balance but when you might use emotional eating occasionally but you might also fall back on talking to a friend you might also use um, walking or you know whatever you find you know crafts or arts knitting some sort of other outlets when you have many outlets you can balance and and um, find that peace but when you're just using emotional eating all the time um, that's when I guess weight loss weight sorry weight gain becomes more of a problem yeah and, and poorer health as well yeah I I totally love that Mm. um I totally love that and that really talks to the toolkit that Mm. we we both talk about all the time and about that accumulation of skills and of awareness and of mindfulness that you sort of grow um and build on as you go on your health journey and you're picking up all these different tools and coping mechanisms and yeah I I love that I think that is absolutely absolutely brilliant you'll love glenn then yes i will i'm gonna i have a psychologist crush that's for sure he's so good yeah (laughs) and so yeah maybe we'll link to his stuff in the show notes as well yeah um so yeah so now let's um get into the sort of practical tips and our sort of different way um to approach weight loss from you know really strict um regimes be it food exercise or both um and really where the title of this podcast comes in um so it's all about a different way to approach weight loss and having it be more sustainable and a gentler journey with that focus on not going hungry so we're aiming to keep our blood sugar levels you know 
constant or at least you know within that range that our body is totally um you know equipped to be dealing with to not let them get too low so we get to the point of that hangriness um and and instead to make small progressive changes um to our lifestyle over time which is which is what Chris and I will always be talking mm. about in every single episode of this podcast. Um, we really believe in in health as an accumulation, on you know health as a journey, and on and on the the fluidity and 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 the and the flexibility of that, and how you know and sometimes something will be working and then it just won't be working anymore, and we change mm-hmm. and we accept that change and we we love that change. Um, so let's talk about ways to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favourites um, and people often like gawp at me when I say it um is snacks because you know so so often people say I want to lose weight I have to stop snacking and snacks are often put in that that basket of bad food yeah, right? like yeah. snacking or I'm a snacker um it no snacks can be healthy can't they totally yeah totally I mean there's no yeah we're going to talk about this in another episode so, about good food versus bad food but there's there's no sort of reason to have it classified as you know something that you shouldn't be eating mm. or or you know to have the snack be necessarily from the vending machine or from yeah. or from a packet or from the cafe or highly sugar laden or anything like that you a know, snack's really just a small meal yeah that's what that means yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you could it's just you can still choose from you know the five food groups and just make it a smaller portion and yeah. there's your snack yeah and if you're hungry and your body says it's rumbling just like cammy's tummy was before <laughs> And we will probably have a snack after this. We've got a snack ready. We've got a snack. (laughs) We've got it out there. It's apples and strawberries and almonds. Yeah, and your your body's telling you, I need something. And maybe it's not time for lunch yet. And maybe you're not super hungry, but you're enough, you know, it's still a good few hours before lunch. So fuel that, you know, listen to that and honour that. Mm. Honour your hunger cues. That's something I talk a lot about. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah. And and so we'll um, provide a list of some of our favorite snacks um in the show notes a link to that but what we both talk about um which is really wonderful is that snacks if you think about one two three for snacks so one ingredient snacks two ingredient snacks and three ingredient snacks are fantastic Mm. and so easy to throw together so easy to keep you know whole food based and so easy to require you to do pretty next to no prep or cooking so like a one ingredient snack would be something as simple as you know a piece of fruit or a handful of nuts or something like that and then you just build on that it's like a two ingredient snack would be like apple and peanut butter or um i love carrots and cashews it's one of my Mm. favorites or you know if you want something sweet like a date and some nut butter Mm. or something like that hummus on crackers yeah Mm. yeah and it's just so easy isn't Mm. it to just have something and 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 give yourself the permission you know especially um, I find it between lunch and dinner because the gap is really long. Mm, um, way you know, too long. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, maybe we'll have lunch around 12 and we won't be eating in in my house until around 6. That's six hours and, you know, I'm hungry at 3, 3.30. Mm-hmm. And that's not 3.30-itis or whatever people mm. call it. It's hunger. Mm. So just, you know, stock up. Have something in time to to to, to get there before you get hangry. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to want to overeat. So just something satisfying mm. and delicious and whole food based that's also going to add to your, your plant count for the mm-hmm. week. Um, and just enjoy it. I really believe that we should... I don't know why the three meal a day thing became so big. I actually feel that it should be four meals a day. Mm. You know, you have your first meal... 
three to four hours later, you have your second meal. Your third meal lands in around that three, four o'clock time when most of us are hungry and that is normal. Um, you shouldn't abstain from eating. And then you have your dinner. And I, f I feel like um, you, if you prefer looking at it like four meals, that's fine. If you prefer three meals and two snacks, you know, that's fine too. And it's just doing what you feel like is good for you, what suits your life, your schedule, your preferences. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You've got a really lovely way to talk about portions. Yeah. Could you share that? I think I share portions with every client I see because one of the most important things to understand about food is that it's not about, and I'll talk about this in, in our other episode, it's not about good versus bad. It's about how much we eat and how often we eat food. So portions is absolutely key. Um, and when it comes to creating a balanced meal, what I am looking for in someone's diet, when someone says to me, Christy, is this a healthy meal? What do you think of this recipe? Um, the first thing I'm looking at is what's the ratio of veggies to carbs to proteins to fats? And I teach my clients to know what's a good, maybe a good place to start is just look at your hands. So if you take your two hands and you put them next to each other and you cup them a little bit, so you've got two cupped hands in front of you. That is your veggie portion. So it should be the biggest portion in your meal. Um, that takes the center stage, or I call it like the star of the meal. Um, then you want to have your low GI carbohydrate. So if you scrunch your fist now and look at your fist um, in a bowl, that is a portion of carbohydrate. So that could be like your brown rice. It could be pasta. It could be, or the equivalent of, a, I guess, like a piece of bread. So if you, if you put your fingers out, then you've got your bread piece. Then your protein portion is the palm of your hand. So I often recommend if you're, if you're looking at red meats, really just stick to just the palm. And then if you're having fish, you could really have the whole hand. So fingers included as well as the palm because we can have bigger portions of fish. Um, and then the last one is your fat. Mm. So if you now, you know, do a thumbs up um, like you're doing, I'm doing a cami. <laughs> so that your thumb portion there is about the portion of fat. So that might be the avocado or the nuts or the seeds or the bit of cheese that you're going to add with your meal. Yeah, or the olive oil. Or the olive yeah. oil, yeah. So you might have a dressing. And between those three components, with the veggies being the star and then we make our way down to the smallest portion, which is the fat, is a balanced low GI meal. And I love using this you, the strategy of the hands because we all have different sized hands. Mm. So smaller people have smaller hands, larger people have larger hands, and men will have bigger hands than women. Children have smaller hands than their parents. And so you can get everybody to plate themselves. And I, and I do, I recommend my all my clients plate your own food. Don't get someone else to plate your meal because they will plate what they think you need rather than letting you choose what you need. Yeah. And get everyone's hands out, you know, get everyone's hands and you put them all around. Like, right. So, you know, this person's meal be a little bit bigger and yours a little bit smaller, but always come back to how do you feel when you finish eating? Because a hands is just the starting point, but always listen, 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 listen. Mm. Am I satisfied? Was that enough food for me? I, I do recommend maybe wait 20 minutes to just let the food settle. Let that vagus nerve tell your brain, yes, I've eaten. Yes, I feel the stretch. And mm. yes, I, okay, I'm actually 
quite full. Yeah. Most of us are just speed eating, so we, we don't realise we're full. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially when you're hungry. I mean, I find I really notice it when I'm hungry. I've, I've eaten my meal and I'm up to get seconds. Yes. Before I've even allowed myself to think, Cami, you know, be mindful, mm. are you full? Because it's just, I've just gone into survival. I've yeah. just gone into, I, I need to eat, I need to eat, I need to eat, you know. There's a lot of families out there as well that um, they're fighting over the food, especially mm. if there's a lot of boys, young boys. Um, and I do remember some very vivid um, stories from clients who growing up, um, it really was a case of you had to fight for your food. So they learnt over many, many years to stuff as much down as they can and qu- as quickly as they could because they might not get any food left on their plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people would have been told by their parents, you must finish your plate. Yeah, yeah. What if you're full though? You know, that, that forced filling is um is not actually very helpful. Yeah, yeah, mm. I, I, yeah I totally agree. And that, that's something that I think you can really see as a generational shift mm. that, you know, young parents like me you know with with young kids and most of the time you just don't hear that said Mm. you know you don't hear it said you can't get down until you finished eating or you know anything like that it's it's that sort of shift to that more mindful more present way of eating where it's the occasion of eating and getting together Mm. and being a family around the table and having the opportunity to share you know what's happened today Mm. um and I was actually thinking about that um it's a very personal example. I I, I went over for um, a, a glass of wine at a girlfriend's house the other night because um, now we're allowed to do that in WA, which is amazing, <laughs> um, with our easing of restrictions. And um, and her children were just taking themselves off to bed on on, the, on their own, which I thought was incredible. And I was so in awe of of this. And we started talking about all sorts of different things. Um, you know, and and she mentioned how important it is to have the opportunity to, um, you know, get the lowdown from your kids on mm. what's been happening during that day. And I had a, a momentary mummy guilt moment because I don't get to school pick up very often. Um, I'll pick up still, you know, around four thirty, but I, you know, I, I lose that hour and a half straight from school pick up because I'm I'm working and I just get there at three o'clock on a Friday, and um. And then I, I had that moment, oh gosh, do I do I have the time for Mateo and Sabrina to, you know, have the opportunity to share with me what's happening, like mm. if there's something difficult in their day. And I was thinking about, you know, something that's really important to me, which is when I'm present with my children, I'm present. Mm. And so I really try not to multitask. Um, and so when I'm, I'm at work, I'm at work, which is why I choose to work that extra hour and a half um, instead of get there at three o'clock. But then as of 4.30, I'm with the kids. And but of course, there's the rush to make the dinner and everything and have a bath. And but I thought, no, the time we have and it's good time. It's at least 20, 30 minutes is when we sit down and eat Mm, the table. Yeah. Yeah. We're at the table. There's no devices there. There's no toys. There's nothing. Mm. We're just at us, the family sitting down, eating together and telling each other about our day. Mm. And um. I think, you know, on a on a connection level, which is so important, that's indispensable, but it's also so wonderful to help with mindful eating mm. because while you're talking and listening, 
you're less inclined to be guzzling. Yes. Yep. Um, so, yeah. I think it, it's also easier to talk about your day. I think many people might remember, you know, when you're a kid and you come home from school and mum goes, how was your day? And you just go, good. You know, you're not really interested in engaging at that point in what mm. actually happened in your day. And I, I remember as a kid um, that when I used to spill to my mum, we would was when we went on walks. Yeah. So we would always go on a, a 30, 40 minute walk with the dogs every evening. And then just while you're walking, you just start blurting out what's going on. And, and I feel like the table is the exact same example. When you're kind of doing something else like eating or, or exercise, you tend to just start talking a bit more like you're yeah. ready to engage yeah yeah and I also think it's the routine of engagement mm. you know this is what we do here on our walk we walk together and we talk to each other and we listen mm. and at the table we eat together and we talk to each other and we listen mm. um and that is you know it might seem like a bit of a tangent but I, I really don't believe it is I think that setting aside the time to eat um, and to have that be the thing you do really, really helps with making sure that you're tuning into your cues and so you're not eating too little, mm-hmm. but you're also not eating too much. And also it helps you to have that moment for connection and for, you know, loving into your relationships, giving out and receiving love, um, which is so important. And that will also feed into your emotional status, mm. which will inadvertently feed into your emotional it's a big hunger circles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. it's and all e- together. Even for people without kids, you know, with I think because I don't have children yet, but you know, we can my partner and I can get so easily sucked into sitting in front of the TV because we don't have children to worry about being at the table, being mm. messy and whatnot. And and I do, I constantly have to you know, no, let, like, let's sit at the table because that's when we get to offload from what's going on in, and it, it improves your relationship as well rather than mindlessly watching the TV while you eat. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And I think that probably the last thing um, that we can mention as a practical tip and a bit of a like a, a, a mind-body awareness tip um, is also just about cueing in and understanding um that your hunger will change Mm. so there are going to be especially as a woman um you know with your menstrual cycle there are going to or with our menstrual cycle I have one too uh, (laughs) (laughs) there are going to be times in the month when you feel hungrier and you know most of the time that's just as we're leading into menstruating um and often during um our period as well and I believe it's really counterintuitive um, to fight against that. You know, metabolically, um, biologically, we actually need more energy in those stages of the month. And they're going to help with all sorts of um, feelings and um, hormonal responses around your period as well. Mm. So to have that understanding and awareness and to be tracking your menstrual cycle um, and to be giving yourself stuff like more low um, GI, you know, slow release carbohydrates in those days leading up to your period and throughout your period, to be increasing your fat, your healthy fats during your period, and maybe to be eating, you know, more iron rich foods mm-hmm. during that time. And and then, you know, as you come out of your period and 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 you're leading into that ovulation stage when, you know, generally we feel fantastic 
we look fantastic we're more you know naturally radiant because biologically you know we're we're attract we're trying to attract a mate that might be when you feel like you can just have a, a really light salad mm. and you know not be really needing the the snack at three o'clock because you genuinely just don't feel that hungry um and sort of just giving yourself the permission to do that and to not expect that what worked last week mm. will work this week and the same goes for what worked last year or last month or what the summer was like as opposed to the winter you know we're all naturally engineered to eat a bit more and hoard a bit of fat Mm -hmm. in the winter and it can feel rubbish sometimes and I'm not going to pretend it I'm separate from that but what I try and do is just take a step back and go this is normal I want stews I want carbs I I want about it like if you're cold your body is having to spend a lot of energy to keep you warm. So shaking and, you know, that muscle contraction that's required to shake or to keep you warm. So naturally you're, you're using more energy to stay warm in winter. So you do actually need more food in winter when you are cold. Um, so it, it, it is that it's that honoring your hunger and fullness because if you really listen, you can actually adapt and move and be flexible and fluid with what you need when you need. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't want to trivialize that because it it's a lot of people will say, but I don't understand that. I, that sounds like I'll never get to that. And it, it is, it's a journey. You just take it step by step. It's not going to happen today or tomorrow. You're not going to suddenly become an intuitive eater in yeah. less than a week. <laughs> It takes practice and time um, and you will get there. Yeah, yeah. And like everything, everything we do in life, we're learning mm. and we're acqui- acquiring a new skill. And um, and so it does take time. And, you know, the best gift we can give ourselves is that patience and kindness yeah. around that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's beautiful. I reckon we can wrap it up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So today we've talked about um, how not going hungry is a really key premise in achieving your weight loss goals and maintaining them over time and how patience and kindness really plays into that we've talked about the detrimental effects eating too little can have on our goals and then we've given you um, some practical tips to help um, put into action this different this different approach to your weight loss goals thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next week for our episode coming out on wednesday Thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful for the time you spent with us and can't wait to do it again. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to us via the Nourish, Nurture, Breathe Facebook or Instagram pages and check out nourishnurturebreathe.com for our show notes. And lastly, a little request from us. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your streaming platform of choice. It'll help so many others find our podcast. Thank you and until next time, remember to nourish, nurture and breathe every day.